Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers podcast. We release podcasts here, in part and in full, on the Joy of Sunflowers website. The Joy of Sunflowers podcast is about sisterhood through infertility and pregnancy loss. We cover a range of topics including fertility, pregnancy after loss and so much more. I speak with a range of people including wellness professionals, medical experts and beautiful mamas. The aim of this podcast is to bring you information and experiences that will validate and equip you for whatever season you find yourself in right now. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Joy of Sunflowers. Thank you so much for joining me. Please introduce yourself a little bit more. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, my name is Sarah Jane. I live on the west coast of Canada on a small island called Salt Spring Island. And I work as a yoga teacher, as well as an embodiment teacher and coach who helps fellow permanently childless, not by choice women integrate their grief and reestablish trust and connection with themselves and their bodies so that they can feel like life is full of possibilities, even without the kids that they wanted. Beautiful. And so needed. That's just beautiful. Um, And where you live sounds really lovely, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty nice here. feel really lucky to live here. It sounds really like lovely and kind of like peaceful. It's pretty peaceful. Um, Great. So, okay, let's get stuck in. Um, Did you always want to be a mom or was it something that kind of happened? Uh, Like, did you sort of grow to that want? Hmm. Yeah. Sort of. I would say the second one. I wasn't one. I wasn't uh, a little girl who always dreamed of of being a mom. Uh, but as I got older, then I I wanted to expand my family in that way. Yeah. So, uh, did you? Were you married? Did you kind of have a like relationship? Did you? How did that play out as you sort of got through to where you are now? Hmm. Yeah, I'm married. Um, my husband and I wanted to have children. He has a child from a previous relationship. So I am a childless stepmom, which is a whole other subject. Um, and we were trying to get pregnant and successful a couple of times. So I had um, multiple pregnancy losses, followed by a long period of unexplained infertility, and then a chronic illness that led to having a hysterectomy in 2018 wow well um if you're comfortable um if you could go into any details on any of that experience i think that would really be helpful to a lot of people who are who are listening um including the what happened in 2018 um because i know a lot of women have to get their tubes removed and things because um they've just they've had a lot of ectopics and it gets to that point where it's just too dangerous to keep, um, to keep going. So um, yeah, please uh, tell us as much as you, as you feel comfortable. Well, the, the pregnancy losses happened early on in the, in the, the trying to conceive and, and carry a baby to term and they were sort of unexplained um, about you know why why they happened and I was in deep grief for a long time even as we continued to try 
the grief was there, but I felt like I was really holding it back. Like I wasn't fully able to grieve while still trying because I had an inner battle sort of between hope and grief that if I let myself fully grieve, then I was sort of giving up in a way. I know that that's not true anymore, but I felt that at the time. Having the hysterectomy was really allowed me to close the chapter of trying to have a baby in a way that was permanent. And I know that lots of women have to decide, you know, sort of having the hysterectomy for me, it was almost decided for me in a way that that was going to be the end of of trying and even that was difficult so the idea of having to decide like okay we won't pursue this anymore stopping uh, fertility treatments or stopping trying uh, is an incredibly difficult experience because it is the end of a dream and it's also the end of an identity you know, when, when you're trying, you are already envisioning yourself as a mom and envisioning the your family growing in that way. And even though it hasn't happened yet, you're living in that mind frame, that future identity. And so when it comes to the end of that, the chance of that identity ever coming to fruition, there is the grief of that, which is multi-layered. You know, there's there's the sadness, but there's also that loss of identity. And even those of us who being a mom wasn't a dream for our whole lives, there's still that loss of identity. So there's this sense of having to rebuild yourself from the ground up and look around and like, okay, well, what what do I want now? And from a place of deep grief, uh, is it's really challenging. Yeah, and I think you you hit the nail on the head there with the dream. You know, I think a lot of people who you know aren't in the lost space who don't really understand it don't realize that it's it's like having a like a, a dream, having something that you really want, uh, having something that you're aiming for and you're fighting for it, you're going for it, you're you're doing everything you feel you possibly can to get there, and then someone just comes along and just stamps on you, <laughs> and they're like, "Nope, <laughs> you can't do that right now. You're not going to go there right now." Um, and it's just that ever. Yeah, and it's just that that constant just smashing you down like while you're on the journey and it is kind of, like you said, like it is hard to go through that grief and everyone I've talked to, they really haven't faced that grief fully until they've closed the chapter of, okay, well, you know, I've had I've had my children or, or you know, we've we've done, um, we've done IBF, I'm, I'm finished now, I can't do it anymore. You know, so once they reached those decisions, that's when their their true healing process actually starts. Because before that, you're right, they're living in that mind frame of, I want to have a baby. We have to have a baby. Let's make this baby happen. We've got to do it. And, and it's just this constant thing, you know, instead of 
dealing dealing with all the emotions and it is hard to deal with both like if you because you want to have the hope because otherwise you can't keep going (laughs) to keep trying um and then if you give in to that grief it's it's you know really debilitating like it just kind of takes over you um also not very supported like I wasn't really encouraged by any of my healthcare professionals to view it as grief and uh and um an experience that would require grieving pregnancy loss the it's it's so common it's sort of seen as something that oh well because it's common it's not really that big of a deal but it's a huge deal to the person who's who's going through it and they're I feel like it's not really talked about uh, the idea that you would grieve that because the advice that's given in anything that you read is keep going, just keep going. And that's really difficult. And you feel that if you aren't able to keep going, then there's something wrong with you and that you didn't want it enough anyway so you don't deserve it. So it comes with an incredible amount of shame. Yeah, and and we spoke about that just before we started, and and that is just such a such a horrible thing that that comes of this because you know it is such a taboo um, subject. And when it comes to child loss, you're right; like they they really isn't that support in terms of you know, the healthcare professionals, like pregnancy loss is just seen as this thing, you know, who, you know, it's fine. It, it was, it wasn't born. You didn't know it, but we do, we do know that child. We've thought about that child. We've dreamt about that child. We've seen that child in our arms. We've seen it in their, in their dad's arms. We've seen that child run around. And there's so many things that we've decided, like that we've created, that we've experienced and that dream that we've created and then it gets shattered mm-hmm. and it is forgotten it's forgotten that that is a true loss it's mm-hmm. just seen as well it's you know it wasn't here but it is it's a real loss and it's Absolutely. just getting them to understand that so mm-hmm. frustrating yeah um, and oh. it's so it's sort of known as disenfranchised grief, so grief that's not recognized by others. And so it makes it hard to to talk about as well as to experience if your experience isn't being validated by healthcare professionals or people around you. Yeah. So so you went through pregnancy losses. How like how did that play out? Did you get your three crappy crappy options that everyone <laughs> seems to get the uh natural dnc um or um pill did you did you get those options or was it kind of cut and dry uh for one of them i got the options uh, of the dnc and the other one was uh natural and and how were they how how did that go was it was it a heavy period or was it something different oh i'd say it was quite different um i i had had i don't have periods anymore seeing as i had a hysterectomy um yeah that must be so strange a history uh it's actually a relief 
uh, to not have a period anymore because um, having a period every month was a, just a reminder that mm-hmm. it was another month that I wasn't pregnant. It was another uh, month that I didn't have either of my uh, pregnancies that I lost and that I would never have them again. They became uh, an, a, another reminder of that I didn't have what I was wanting. Yeah. And I, my periods have always been really painful. I had fibroids and so lots and lots of heavy bleeding all the time. So also having the hysterectomy was a, a relief from that as well. It wasn't the constant reminder that uh, my body wasn't working in the way that I thought that it should. Um, so I actually enjoy not having periods. I like the sound of not having periods, but then I've spoken to women who still have everything there and they don't have periods and they're like, this is horrible, like all these symptoms. And I'm like, oh, but without sounds great. <laughs> like I don't want to have periods. <laughs> but, mm. um, but obviously we want that desired outcome as well as not having the womb later. Mm-hmm. But it's... It's it's such a like oh, being a woman sucks sometimes. We just have to we have to do it all. Like it's just ugh. periods <laughs> and take it. Oh no. So so yeah. So how how so we were talking about your um end of uh um pregnancy loss. So how you how things kind of passed. What would you more would you like to know about that? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so with the natural one, did you, was there any wait period or was it just nice and kind of quick? Well, I wouldn't describe it, any of that experience as nice. <laughs> I um, didn't know. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, it was over, I'd say it was over a, a week. Oh, wow. Um, I haven't thought about the details of that in quite a while as it happened over eight years ago. Wow. And uh, yeah, so I'm not sure much more that. Uh, that no, that's, I that's, fine. that's about, fine. About that exact experience. Yeah, no, I. In, in talking about um, being permanently childless and what yeah. that that is like. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm always sort of um, wanting to kind of cover that uh, base first because it's one of those things that a lot of women wonder about, like how long did it take? Because for me, it was like two months mm-hmm. uh, naturally. Um, and then, you know, I've spoken to a lot of different women who it, it was really quick, like within the first few days of finding mm-hmm. out it sort of just all happened. Um, but yeah, eight years ago is is a while. So that's fair. Um, uh, another lady I spoke to was like 20 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. but she actually remembered quite a bit cause it was more so to do with a diagnosis. So it was really quite mm-hmm. interesting. Um, so, um, from there, what, uh, what sort of happened between then and, and, um, having the hysterectomy, um, to now? Hmm. Yeah. So after that, there was a really long period of unexplained infertility. And so that involved, lots of doctor's appointments, lots of tests, fertility specialists, that kind of thing, constantly being poked and prodded and appointment to appointment and 
feeling feeling very unsupported emotionally. So it was all very clinical of like, oh, well, this is wrong with you and this is fine and these uh, your tubes are, are fine. So we don't know why it's not happening. So just keep trying and, you know, keep going. You'll be fine, that kind of thing. And I have or had fibroids, which are they're non-cancerous tumors that grow uh, in and around the uterus. They can, uh, different people experience them in different places. They can be inside the uterus. They can be within the wall. They can be on the outside. They can be a combination of, of both or all of those things. And they take up a lot of space in the uterus and they can. So there isn't the, the space for the egg to, to make its home. And I had previously had uh, a surgery before my pregnancy losses to remove some fibroids. So there was scar tissue in there already, which made um, the implantation even harder. And so the fibroids became so large that uh, it was advised that I needed to have them removed because they were starting to press on other internal organs and bladder and uh and kidneys, and that could result in in long-term damage. So it was suggested that I have the fibroid removed, but upon investigation, it was so large that it wasn't going to be able to be removed without taking the whole uterus with it. So I felt like I didn't have any choice um, but, but to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, I mean, even if you had, if you had had them removed or they had tried to, you know, and they damaged other things like that, I mean, that's part of this journey. Like we, we don't, we want to be here. If we're going to have kids, we want to be here and able and present, you know, that's, yeah, that's a tough, a tough um, thing that you had to, to go through and then, you know, make that, final say um but yeah I'm guessing they still asked you like do you want to so what do you want to do <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean they had met all medical procedures need consent yes need to, to <laughs> agree to it yeah. um yeah I mean I guess I could not have had it had the removed but then yeah getting into all kinds of other complications which and then possibly it's more not going to exactly exactly because you kept getting them as well um so i guess that's another layer of relief there like not having to keep going into doctors and things do you still have to go in now to get checkups or is or is it sort of done or yeah i mean go in to have regular checkups just as anybody else else would um but it has a whole different flavor now, you know. Um, I'm not going with the hope that it's going to result in having a baby. It's purely for my own health. There aren't these other uh, bigger things attached to it. So it's not as as triggering and as painful as it has been in the past, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask that next. Like, is it triggering? Because obviously 
for a lot of women going into a doctor's office, going into radiology, like all of that is triggering. It's just this, Mm -hmm. you know, big thing. And every time you have an appointment, you're freaking out. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to hear that there is a sort of not, not contentment, but like an ease of the mind, you know, afterwards um, because, you know. Yeah, I mean, that can come from from doing a lot of work around it, you know, from uh, giving myself the time and the space to, to fully grieve, to understand what my triggers are when it happens and have some tools and strategies around that, you know, things that yeah. on, on triggering days, say for instance, like something like Mother's Day, I know that that is going to be a hard day. So I have um, some strategies in place like leading up to the day and some things afterwards. So there's, there is always this uh, caretaking of triggers, but I, I take that uh, as a personal responsibility for taking care of myself. I really hope you enjoyed the first part of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit thejoyofsunflowers.com. Please note that all speakers, including experts and professionals, express information, views and opinions that should not be used to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any medical conditions. If you have a medical issue, please consult a qualified professional. Speakers voice their own views, opinions and conclusions and they may not reflect the views, opinions and conclusions of other speakers. Ella Rose, The Joy of Sunflowers and its sponsors may not endorse all or any of the views, opinions or conclusions expressed.